Howdy. You're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Hey, y'all. Uh, welcome to RUF. I'm going to be reading scripture for us tonight. So scripture is usually on the screen behind me here. So if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. Uh, it's also in your bulletin. So if you grab the bulletin at the front, always uh, know, feel free to do that. Like, uh, we always have these at the front and scripture is always on them. So it has our songs on there too. If you're unfamiliar with our songs, they're always on this. So you can go back after a large group and look at, look at them. So uh, let me read scripture for us. And then I will pray and we'll begin. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. This is Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. And finally, this is um, Psalm 68. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, lift up a song to Him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exult before Him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Let's pray. Father, as we just sang... uh, we, in confidence, we draw nigh. We come, we come to you tonight, knowing that you are our Father, our Heavenly Father. From before eternity passed, you were a Father who was loving His Son. Lord, we get to enjoy that now through the great sacrifice and the blood shed through your Son, Jesus Christ. Would you help us see Him more clearly tonight? And would you help us to not leave unchanged, but we leave convicted and encouraged? Uh, Lord, do we would long to know what it looks like to honor you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, really, welcome to RUF. My name is Austin McCann. I'm the RUF campus minister here. We're really glad you're here. Uh, and I always say this. That really, if this is your first time to RUF, and you've kind of stumbled upon RUF walking into all face, we really do believe this, that you're never so good that you stand outside the need of God's grace, while at the same time you're never so bad that you stand outside the reach of His grace. And we really believe that. And we say that every week because we want you to experience that and taste it when you come to RUF and when you leave it. Uh, So we really do believe that. And and if this is your first time joining us, usually what we do is we take a book of the Bible every semester in large group and we march through it. But this semester, we're actually doing something a little bit different. We're we're doing a relationship series and and considering what does the Bible say about our relationships, how we relate to, to one another, how we relate to ourselves and to this world. And how we relate to God himself. And the question this semester has been this. This is what we've been holding out for each other, right? What does God and his gospel have to do with all of my really complicated relationships in my life? And what scripture holds out for us is everything. And the foundational principle of our series is understanding that our vertical relationship with God always shapes and transforms our horizontal relationships with one another. Right, week one, we examine in Genesis 1 through 2 that we're created in the image of a relational Trinitarian God. Therefore, we're designed and hardwired for relationships. Week two, we observe what went wrong in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sin entered the world, fracturing our relationships with God and with one another in this world, but how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to heal and restore all things. And last week, we looked at relating to God's will. 
Studying his will of decree, studying his will of desire, and studying his will of direction. Considering how God's will is for you to become more like Jesus, no matter what. And you have the freedom to be wise and make decisions. So that's what we've done, okay? And tonight we're moving from the vertical to the horizontal, okay? Specifically to one of the most impactful, most important, and most complicated relationships. And that's relating to our parents. But I, uh, I think this principle kind of creeps into all of our lives. But because we're all honest tonight, right, I think we all have the tendency to avoid looking at the hard things in our lives. Right, right if I ignore it, then it just doesn't feel like a problem. Like, if I ignore looking at my grades at the end of the semester, if I don't check it, then it's just not a problem. Or if I, if I ignore my money in my bank account, if I don't know how low it is, then it's just not a problem. Or if, like, I ignore Aggie football or looking at my fantasy lineup, if I pretend that, that I don't care, maybe it won't hurt, right? You see, the temptation for many of us is to avoid thinking about or acknowledging hard, complicated problems. And that's even more true in relationships, right? Like, we may end a friendship entirely because it's just too exhausting and, and hard. We may avoid people in hard seasons because we just don't know what to say to them. Like, we may leave organizations and groups and commitments because it's just too much. But our families are the one institution that we really just can't leave or ignore or, or honestly forget, Right? And we constantly underestimate the, underestimate the impact that it has on us. Because all of us tonight, and we need to acknowledge this, right? All of us have very unique and different relationships with our parents tonight. Like some of us have been abandoned or abused by our parents. Some of us have either lost one or both of our parents. They've passed away. Like some of us may say that there was some good and some love growing up, but there was a lot of bad and as I've gotten older, it's just kind of gotten worse. Like some of you would say we, we were raised in kind of like a mixed bag family where there was really good stuff, but also really, really hard and bad stuff. And then others of you would say tonight, I have a great relationship with my parents. And, and, and I was raised in a healthy home and, and we're on really good terms. But for all of us tonight, we have to acknowledge this, is that our parents are some of the most impactful relationships that God gives to us. So it's absolutely crucial to consider and unpack this relationship in light of the gospel. So I want to focus our attention tonight on Exodus verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 12. And so I'm going to unpack some context for us. And then I want to answer three questions on what it looks like to honor your parents. Okay? All right, so giving honor. Okay, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Let's look at this first passage. Let me read it again. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Right, so this is the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments, okay? And a quick word on the Ten Commandments. Even if you're only somewhat familiar to Christianity, okay? You've probably heard of these Ten Commands that God gives to His people, right? There are actually over 613 laws and commandments in the first five books of the Bible. And every single one of those laws fits into three biblical categories of the law, okay? So God's law in Scripture is divided into three categories. Okay, civil laws, ceremonial laws, and the, God's moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. Okay, see the first two categories are Israel's civil laws and ceremonial laws in the Old Testament. 
Right, a common refrain you'll hear all throughout the Bible is God making a promise to his people. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That promise begins with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And so throughout the Old Testament, before the establishment of Israel's judges and kings, really from the time of Moses to around the time of King Saul, the nation of Israel operated under a theocratic monarchy, meaning that God was sole king and ruler of Israel. God is still king and ruler of all, whether presidents, rulers, or dictators even acknowledge that. He's still king and rules over the universe. Right? But explicitly, when Israel was living under God's reign in the Old Testament, God gave the nation of Israel certain civil laws of how to relate to one another and how to obey him. God also gave Israel ceremonial laws, which because, that because God was so holy and dwelt with the nation of Israel in the tabernacle and the temple, there were certain ceremonial laws that God gave Israel to follow so that they could worship him properly. So there was a certain sacrificial system Israelites had to follow in the Old Testament. However, when the nation of Israel no longer was a theocracy, and when Christ came in the New Testament, both the civil and ceremonial laws were abrogated, meaning that they no longer directly apply to Christians today. In general, equity they do, but the civil and ceremonial laws of the Old Testament do not directly apply in the same way as they did to Israel in the Old Testament. Okay, This is going somewhere, I promise. Right? So these are the first two categories of the law. Israel's civil laws and their ceremonial laws. And then here's the third category. Okay, is what, we, is what we refer to as God's moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. That still applies today for all Christians to obey and follow God. Okay? And this is a very important principle that I want you to catch when thinking and talking about God's laws and commands, all right? If you are familiar with the Bible, okay, think biblical history for a second. Right, when did God give these Ten Commandments to the Israelites in the Old Testament? Was it before or after he rescued them from Egypt? It was after. Right, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, God's moral law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. It was given to Israel after God delivered them from Egypt, okay? So this is the importance of it, is that the law was a response to redemption, not a cause of it. We obey the commandments, therefore, not in order to, to merit God's favor, but because we've already experienced his favor. So yes, in one sense, the law shows our sin and leads us to the gospel. That's true. But in another sense, the law ought to follow the gospel just as the giving of the Ten Commandments followed salvation from Egypt. So that's important, okay? We obey God's words not, not because we cower under threat of judgment, but because we stand confidently in our deliverer, Jesus, and gladly accept his rule for our life. That's what I want you to catch. Why is this important for tonight? Because that's how we view the Ten Commandments that directly apply to us today. Not merely duty, but delight. This is the framework in which, which we view the Fifth Commandment tonight in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. That God calls all of us to honor our parents. And we're called to respond to that and not to ignore it. So where does this Fifth Commandment fit within the rest of the commandments? Okay, Because this is important. Well, the Ten Commandments are divided into... Our theme, right? Our vertical and horizontal principle that we've been talking about all semester. The first four of the Ten Commandments govern how we relate to God, okay? 
We worship him only. We have no idols. We don't take his name in vain. We keep the Sabbath to worship him together as his people to rest for his glory. Those are the first four commandments, okay? Our vertical relationship with God. But then the next six commandments are about how we relate to each other in light of who God is. We honor our parents, therefore we value authority. We do not murder, therefore we value life. We do not commit adultery, therefore we value chastity. We do not steal, therefore we value justice. We do not lie, therefore we value truth. We do not covet, therefore we value what God has given us. So breathe, right? You see, Jesus himself summarizes in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, the Ten Commandments. And this is how he summarizes it, okay? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see, this is why I want you to consider the structure of the Ten Commandments. Because it is no accident tonight that the first word God gives to us in our horizontal relationships to loving our neighbor is about how we relate to our parents. <laughs> so, like, why is it first? Well, I'll never forget when my son Henry was born. Um, I remember the nurse putting Henry on Alex on her chest after he was born. And then I'll never forget the nurse like looking at me because they had to take care of Alex. And he's like, all right, Dad, you're up. And I'm like, okay. And she just hands me this like glob of beautiful, ugly, amazing image bearer in my hands. And like, I remember holding him and thinking two things. Like, one, you're mine forever. Like, there is, there is nothing that is going to separate my love from you. There's nothing, no, no matter what you do, no matter what anyone else can do. And then secondly, I was looking around at all the nurses and doctors. They're, like, helping Alex. I'm like, how are they entrusting this much life to me right now? Um, because in that moment, like, I was Henry's only hope for life and love as I held him in my arms. Like, I was already shaping and molding Henry just by holding him. You see, this is how powerful this relationship is. It takes this beautiful blob personhood and life from conception to this baby, to a growing person with a personality and a soul and a mind and a body filled with fears and joys and hopes. And it's almost impossible for words to capture this relationship and it reflects something about who God is. Right? This is how important family is. Okay, Think historically here. Okay. Like, like when you study totalitarian regimes throughout history who have tried to exert control over people and nations, one of the chief mechanisms by which they've done, by done so is to sever the attachment of the, of the family, of making the allegiance to the state the building block of society rather than the honoring of parents and family. Really, go, go study some, some kind of totalitarian overthrow, and that's what you'll learn. That's one of their chief mechanisms. So the first thing we need to see tonight is this, is that this relationship between us and our parents is vitally important and very influential. And it's something that we do not ignore. So in fact, like, it's not too much to say tonight that loving your neighbor begins with honoring your mom and dad. Really. <laughs> like one author said this, that honoring your father and mother is the foundation upon which love for neighbor is built. So in tackling this commandment, okay, I want us to consider three questions, all right? What does it mean to honor our parents? Are there limits to honoring our parents? 
And what might it look like practically to honor our parents, okay? So first, what does it mean to honor our parents, okay? God gives us this command to honor this relationship, right? I want you to first notice what God is not saying here in this commandment. This commandment is not saying that you have to agree with your parents on everything. This commandment doesn't say that you have to enjoy your parents. This commandment doesn't say that you have to be best friends with your parents. It doesn't say that you have to make your parents the most important relationship in your life. It says to honor your parents. Right, the Hebrew word here for honor is kabod, which is another word for glory, which means something that is weighty or, or that has matter. Right, there's double meaning to this. When we drop a rock in a puddle, right, we know it's because the rock has matter that it separates water particles and makes a splash. But we also use that word matter as we say that this relationship matters to me. It has a heaviness. So honor is heavy, okay? So to honor your parents is to give the appropriate amount of weight and gravity and significance to them as your authority, which God has given to you in your life. St. Augustine said this, that if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? So what does it mean to honor and give weight to our parents? Right? Giving honor to your parents may be putting an effort into loving them. Right? One author said this, that honor requires think three things. Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Right? Honoring your parents holds the weight of reverence and respect, not because they always deserve it. I'm saying that as a father who's well aware of my shortcomings and failures. But mainly because the position, sorry, excuse me, the position of authority that comes from God's good design. Right? This is the same that is true for other positions of authority, okay? Whether you like or dislike the person that holds an office, you still show respect for that office and that position. Right? Second, honoring your parents holds the weight of obedience. That means if it's not a sin, we give our parents significance in doing what they ask of us. It means we still move towards our parents in service. And third, honoring your parents holds the weight of gratitude. That parenting is a heavy responsibility. You'll experience that one day if you are a parent, right? It's an office of, of great sacrifice. And one that we can show those who have sacrificed a lot for us to simply to, to be grateful. So those are three examples of honoring your parents. Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Let me stop there for a second, okay? Because we, as we transition to our next question, I want to underscore something important. That honoring your parents in reverence, obedience, and gratitude, all of this requires wisdom, okay? It's never void of wisdom. Why? Because there's a reason why honor means heavy and not light or easy. Right? For some of you, honoring your parents these ways actually sounds fruitful and easy. But for some of you tonight, moving towards your parents in these ways sounds very stressful and confusing and scary. These are weighty matters that always require wisdom, okay? So here's the second question. Are there limits to honoring our parents? The answer is yes. There are a couple reasons why there are limits to honoring your parents, okay? First is this. First, it's because authority can be abused. Right? In Acts 5, we see a principle that has to do with government, but also extends to parents and leadership and church leadership and any other authority over us. 
that if the choice is between obeying God or obeying them, we obey God. Okay, so if your parents command you to do what God forbids or forbid what God commands, you cannot and must not obey your parents. So one way to think of this is that the first table of God's law, the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments always take precedence over the second six commandments, okay? But even in those hopefully rare but also real cases, there's still a way to be respectful and, and to honor your parents, even if they're asking something of you that they don't have any authority to ask. And that takes wisdom and help from trusted authority, okay? So are there limits to honoring your parents? Yes, because first, authority can be abused. Second is this, is that there are limits to honoring your parents because the relationship between you and your parents changes over time. Right? We know that intuitively, but experientially, that, that you, don't, you don't know that until you really experience it. Right? Your relationship with your mom and or dad is not a static relationship. Okay? Right? If you relate to your parents still the same way that my two-year-old son relates to me, then like, like I'm a little bit more than nervous for you. Okay? Like why? Because he's a two-year-old and he's totally dependent on me. But you, by definition tonight, you're an adult. <laughs> Like, really? I don't know how that lands on me. Because a part, a part of parenting is actually trying to work yourself out of the job. <laughs> because the goal should be trying to enable our children to actually grow up. So here are where things get murky, right? Because I think by far one of the most complicated seasons in your life when relating to your parents is in college. <laughs> really. Why? Well, because when you're a child and you're completely dependent and you're living under their roof, it's just a lot more clear in what it looks like in honoring them, right? And when you're a full-grown adult, like ho- hopefully you're like completely financially dependent and, and you're on your own, right? That's just a little bit more clear in what it looks like. But for most of you in college, it's a mix right now. Because you're here in college, you're alone. Hopefully your mom didn't move here with you. But like you're moving towards independence. But you probably like still receive some financial help from your parents. You, you still go back and home. You stay with them. You're still on health insurance and car insurance and tuition help and food, etc. So, in other words, if your parents completely cut you off today, like there would be massive changes in your life right now. So, so this is where wisdom is required. Okay, what does that look like? Well, we've talked about this, but a relationship requires at least two people, right? Therefore, the responsibility is actually on both parties here, okay? First, it's on you. Ask yourself this question. You have to be willing to do this. Am I growing up or am I willing to grow up? (laughs) And what I mean is, are you working towards being an adult that is following Jesus on your own? Like, Like, are you proving to your parents that there is a desire to grow in maturity? Like, do they still need to remind you constantly about going to church or about your doctor's appointments or staying on top of school or, like, doing your schedule for you? Like, like, are you still allowing them to run your life in ways that are no longer appropriate for your age? Because, well, it's just kind of easier that way. Right? A part of your vocation as a college student is learning to grow up. Like, that, that doesn't mean that you can't have fun and be college students. Those two things coexist. You can have plenty of fun and still be ready for graduation. Okay? So first, it begins with you. And second, you need to hear, it also 
has to do with your parents. Right? Are they allowing you to grow up? And by that I mean, are they working towards letting you be an adult? Right? Are, or are they controlling you in ways that are inappropriate? With money, if you choose that major, then I'm going to cut you off. Or you start dating that boyfriend, I'm going to cut you off. Like with power, like you'll stu- still do anything to finally gain their approval. With like ra- lack of respect, they don't think you can do it, so they'll just do it for you. Or on the other end, some of you tonight just wish that your parents would just be more involved in your life. So it's worth taking the time and evaluating that and having an honest conversation and maybe an awkward conversation and a difficult one, like with your parents. Like in humility and gentleness, you share the ways that you want to grow and ask them, okay, like how do we work together for a healthier future? as our relationship continues to change and grow. You may need to have that conversation with your parents, which may be awkward and hard. But hear me say this, right? I I also recognize that there's exceptions to this. So if you're unsure of how to navigate that, please come talk to me or to a trusted pastor or to some some authority that that you trust in your life, okay? So that's the second question, okay? Are there limits to... Uh, to honoring our parents, yes. Here's the third. Here's the third question. Okay, what might it look like practically to honor your parents? Right. This is just a starting point, but I want to give you four simple things that you can say as a way to honor your parents. Okay, four things that you can say. The first thing that you can say is yes, mom, or yes, dad. Okay, and what I mean by that is this: is that you have an opportunity, I think, to prompt cheerful obedience with a cheerful heart. Like when a reasonable task that is not sinful is asked of you from your parents, then you need to view that as an opportunity to respond in cheerful obedience instead of disgustful inconvenience, okay? Like when you get a text from your mom or dad that it's Nana's birthday, and like, would you please give her a call? Like instead of ignoring that or being annoyed by that, like you need to utilize that as an opportunity to honor them and say, yes, I'd love to. Like, even if your relationship is complicated and challenging, ask that God would give you an opportunity to respond in cheerful obedience in some way. And the second is this, okay? The second thing you can say is thank you. Thank you, Dad, and thank you, Mom, okay? I know this is very difficult for some of you because some of you have lost your parents, and that's all you want to say to them, and it really hurts. And some of you don't have a relationship at all with both or even one of your parents. But if there is a relationship there, and if it is appropriate, take time to reflect on everything that your mom and dad has done for you and call them and thank you for it. Right? It may be even appropriate for some of you to write a letter if you're not in contact with your parents or if it's a tough relationship. That may be another method, right? Maybe to think of a story or a memory or one way that they loved or cared for you, finding a way to thank them. That will go a long way. So say yes, we say thank you. And third, we can say this. And I think this is the hardest for all of us in here tonight. Okay. The third thing that we can say is that I'm sorry. Right? Don't do what famous people do when when they really don't mean it. And they say, like, I'm sorry if you were offended, right? Or or I'm sorry, but but like they they did something worse. Right? Your parents are sinners, and so are you. Your parents are sinners, and so are you. Okay? You can just say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. 
Like, really? There doesn't have to be an excuse. Don't underestimate the power of an apology, okay? Like, who knows what sort of healing might come from your parental, parental relationships? That even if you have in your mind, like, I know that it's 85% my parents' fault, right? And they've never acknowledged or said anything. And if I say I'm sorry, they're going to think that they never did anything wrong. Then let the Holy Spirit do His work in their lives. Like, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your life. And being willing to say that I'm sorry is a sign of maturing an adulthood. So this is the last one. Finally is this. I promise I haven't talked to your parents before this talk, okay? Lastly is that we can say hello. What do I mean by that? We can pick up the phone and send a text and send a picture, show up to things, be present in their lives as they were present in your lives, or even if they weren't present in your life. Make it a point to show up for holidays if you can. Like it, it means the world to parents to just say hello. And for some of us tonight, like maybe that's the best and safest place to start. Like when you're walking across campus, don't be afraid to pick up the phone, shoot them a text. Never stop saying hello. Say yes with a cheerful heart. Say thank you. Say I'm sorry. And say hello. This is a good starting point. Let God surprise you as you give weight to your parents in this way. Let me end this, okay? To do all of this, right, we recognize this. Right? To, to honor our parents, to give them the weight that they, they deserve, that God calls us to, to have difficult conversations, and to say all of these things is very challenging. And I actually don't believe that it's actually possible without the gospel of Jesus. Truly. So let me, let me end with this, okay? Um, there's a movie called Blood Diamond, all right? Uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. That's uh, a great movie. But it, it's a movie about uh, actually like war-torn South Africa, and uh, these guys are actually having to like go and mine all of these, all these diamonds in South Africa. And it's actually also a story about a father rescuing his son. Because this boy, Dia, actually gets captured by these warlords, okay? And he ends up um, actually getting captured and, and beat, he's beaten and uh, he is drugged and terrible things start happening to him and uh, he ends up like seeing four horrific things. And what ends up happening is that he actually ends up forgetting who he is. And what's amazing about the movie is his father Solomon actually begins to chase him down. And he's searching for him throughout the entire movie. And towards the end of the movie, he actually shows up at a rebel camp. And he finds Dia. And so he finds a way to sneak into the camp. And he finds Dia and he says, Dia, it's time to go. And he starts leading him out. But Dia stops because he doesn't even recognize his father. And it's this really intense moment because instead of going with his father, he picks up an AK-47 and he, and he puts, his, puts it to his father's chest. And it's this moment where the, the camp is silent, and his son's about to pull the trigger. And Solomon says, Dia, stop. What are you doing? Look at me. Look at me. Your mother waits for you at home. She's making plantains with your sister and the new baby. The cows wait for you, Dia. And the, and the, little, the little dog that only responds to you is waiting. I know they've done bad things to you, but you're not a bad boy. Your father loves you, and it's time to come home. 
And Medea drops the gun and falls into his father's arms. Because in that moment, what happened was that Dia was reminded by his father who he was, and therefore reminded who he was. And what God calls us to do is to honor our parents and to show them weight. But the only way that we do that is to trust and to listen to the voice of God Himself, our Father, who sings over us because of the blood that's been shed by His Son, Jesus. You are my daughter, and you are my son, in whom I'm well pleased. That is the only way that we actually begin to respond in honoring our parents, is being reminded of who we are in Jesus as His child. That begins to change us. That's our starting point. That's invitation. Let's pray. Father, you promise us that you are a father to the fatherless, that you have adopted us into our into your family. Lord, there is nothing that earned your love. There's no command that we followed to receive that adoption. But Lord, you declare that adoption over us. Because you sent your son to die for us. So that you could be with us forever. So that when we look at you and you call us your, your beloved child. Lord, when we respond by faith and follow you. Would you teach us and help us and humble us. Teach us to say that we're sorry. Teach us to pursue our families. Teach us to say hello. Teach us to say thank you. Teach us to respond to your gospel only by the grace that you've shown us through the blood of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig'em.